Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode seven of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the owner of Terry Greer Inc., an uh, accounting firm right here in Stanwood, uh, father of two boys, and has been a mentor to me over the last year. Please welcome Mike Dame. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice. And today I'm with the owner of Terry Greer Inc., a high class accounting firm in Stanwood, a father of two boys, and in this year has been a mentor. Please welcome Mike Dame. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah, welcome to the show. Hey, so um, so I know that you're owner of Terry Greer Inc., um, but tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed that somebody is interested. So thank you for coming here today. Uh, I am married with two beautiful young boys. Um, both uh, our, my oldest is five. Uh, my or he will be in October. My youngest is two. Um, Quick aside on my youngest, he was born during tax season. Uh, he was uh, born on April 14th, but I will forever, for some reason, mix it up as uh, March 14th. And I consider myself of average intelligence, at least, so this dichotomy <laughs> should not exist in my mind. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's what happens in the low tax season. Um, I've never lived outside of Snohomish County. Uh, I've traveled a lot for work, but I'm very sheltered with respect to. Uh, where I've where I've resided because I, I love it here so much so no need no need to leave um, I really do thrive on a bit of chaos Ad admittedly there's a fine line there but I enjoy being busy uh, meaningfully busy I'll say between then family mostly family and then uh, work and, and we live our, our life accordingly uh, just as a family always on the move yep <laughs> yep yeah I know how that is with with four kids I can Relate. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> um, all right. So <clears throat> tell us a little bit about, about your work history. So you s actually worked with Boeing for a while. Was that an accounting position as well? Yeah. So I actually uh, was working within the sub small business suppliers of Boeing. And so, uh, you know, they have some financial ups and downs within the supply base. So I was monitoring the small guy's financial health. Um, and so that was just a ton of fun working within the aerospace industry and getting to meet a ton of small business owners um, in and outside the country. Um, and so that was my stint there. And then before coming uh, directly here and, and buying this firm, I had worked at a small accounting firm in Alderwood okay. of similar size to us. Okay, got it. And so I want to go back. So with, with Boeing then, what did that position look like for you? Like helping these small, like, I guess the other question is, um, if they're a small business working with Boeing, how small are they? And then what is their kind of scope? What are they looking at? Yeah. So when we say small business in aerospace, it's pretty darn big <laughs> because an aerospace part is so expensive just by its nature but it's really the small operations. It's just really, really expensive parts and equipment and things of that nature. Um, and so what it, it looked like is getting out on site to a lot of them 
and just um, hearing their struggles and then also just sharing priorities and making sure that Boeing's investing in the right ways in them um, and then just making sure that we understood their direction and uh, making sure there was no risk in that or the risk was managed which they were taken on because obviously Boeing has a, a really really uh, vested interest in the supply chain keeping healthy and so that's what we we're looking at or that's the purview in which we we're looking at it okay so then how did you get involved with Boeing like where where did you was that straight out of college or no well, you know what I did do an internship in college but it was no way related to the suppliers uh, it was uh, it was actually and it wasn't here in, in, in Everett but uh, what I had done is done a stint right after college in public accounting and then I just got interested in this role at Boeing because it was so outside the norm of what you would think of in working for Boeing because there wasn't really too many days that I felt like an employee of Boeing. I more felt like I was working directly with those small businesses out in the, in the supply chain. Yeah, because I've, I've worked with uh, in the aerospace industry and yeah, I've, I've worked on site at Boeing and it's just this... I mean, it's massive. It's, it's yes. mind-blowing how big of a scale they really are. And so, yeah, I've never even heard of this sect of Boeing. Yeah, it's pretty small, I will say. It was really cool to get an opportunity to join it because of how small it was. Uh, it still remains small today, that team. Uh, but it's really important for the, for the company. And it does help out the small businesses that they work with, too, which is fun. Yeah, no, that's, that's a neat, neat little aspect of Boeing I, I didn't know about. Yeah. So then, um, what what kind of trans helped you transition from that into the accounting firm? Well, I, you know, if I were to be honest, I always loved staying small, staying in the small business realm, and just by nature of my progression, m my career at Boeing was taking me further and further away from that because that's a pretty niche part of Boeing, um, and, and so I just I got less and less passionate about work, I would say, as I got drawn further and further away from small business. And so I just had a reconciliation with myself about, you know, what I really wanted in, in life out of career. Uh, and I said, I need to get closer to what I call home, which is small businesses. And so I joined, I got back on the public accounting trail because again, there I get to work with a bunch of small businesses. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved in that one? How did you connect with them? And where it was in Everett? Uh, Alderwood, Alderwood. Uh, Linwood, okay. yeah. Uh, I had done an internship with them and worked for them outside of college a bit too. And I knew the owner well and respected him so much. And um, he was always an advocate of mine and taking on new opportunities. And so uh, I just went back to him and talked to him about my struggle of where I was in my career. And, and he said, well, come back on board. And uh, it was just a natural fit to go back. All right. So then you started back up with them. How long were you working with him then? I was back there for about two years before I came here. Okay. So then... Um, and so in total, maybe around four or five years with that company. All right. So then... How did you end up getting, so you were working down there. How did you get connected with the, the previous owner of this establishment, Terry? Yeah, that's an interesting story. So um, to, to, it was actually arranged by a business broker that Terry had hired to help him sell the company. Uh, but it very quickly did not feel that way. 
Uh, and Terry and I clicked right off the bat and didn't have a need for a middleman anymore. And so, uh, you know, in the end, these things are, these business transactions are tough to go through, but Terry and I committed to being unconventional and not making the transaction a zero sum or I win, you lose game. Uh, and instead asking ourselves, you know, does this serve the customer best as we went through it? And so I put a lot of trust into him as he did me. And there's a lot of risk in doing that, uh, more so I'd say in today's world than 40, 50 years ago even. But in the end, I'm sure glad we took that risk. So what are some of the, when you're asking that question of does this benefit the customer, um, how does that change your perspective on some of the transactions? You know, for us, uh, it, it, it was things like, uh, you know, it's hard to think of any specific, let me think of a specific example. But it would be things like Terry, you know, knew that he didn't just want to leave the day that I took over ownership. He wanted to have contact with everybody and let them know and then stay on for a few weeks and help us out. And he also made himself available, you know, whenever I needed him um, throughout the summer. Most people in that world, that, his situation would have said, I'm going on vacation. It's a perpetual vacation, and I'm out of here. And he just didn't take that approach. So that's an example of where he really stepped up to serve the customer best, even though he was doing it behind the scenes and got no credit for any of it and wasn't seeking any credit for it. But it's just things like that where that's not traditional or that would have to be contractually set out uh, and in our case didn't need to be the case. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we had worked with, with Terry for um, many, many years, and um, it was, yeah, we were like, the, the transition, everything, it, was, it worked out very well. It was very smooth, and yeah, um, yeah no, I, it worked, went well. So, <clears throat> um, so you took it, uh, when did you actually officially make that transition? I was in April of 2018. Okay, so fairly recent. Last, yes. Last year, yeah. Yeah, very recent. It still so, feels new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was the, um, uh, what was kind of the, the biggest hurdles that you guys faced during that transition, you, you stepping into that role? Well, I will say, that, you know, pr- probably first and foremost was gaining the customer's trust, you know, and so there was a lot of communication during that phase and, and me trying to reach out to the customers and, and, and also Terry doing so as well. So that was important for us because if you're a customer, you have to feel that this is still in your best interest, right? Um, and a lot of, if not all of the customers knew Terry on a personal level in addition to, you know, on a business level. And so um, that was fun, but it was also challenging uh, because uh, it's just, it's in the midst of all the business stuff, uh, it was more important to get to know people personally. And so that was one thing that we had to go through. Right. So your, your first year is taking over in April. That's kind of like your crazy busy season, right? So how, Mm. how did that go that first kind of season for you? You know, it was, there was definitely some rocky points, especially in that transition period. Um, but I was blessed that the team stayed on everybody, obviously, except for Terry, who, who was retiring. Uh, and so I got really blessed in that, in that respect. And so, um, I, I'll say in hindsight, it feels like it went really well, but there were definitely a lot of leadership lessons learned on my part 
And um, I'm sure, and there were specific instances where we could have done better for sure. But as a whole, the team, the team really, really, really did a good job. Yeah, it, a good team definitely makes a difference. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. So <clears throat> because you're an accountant, I have to ask you some accounting questions. Okay. <laughs> um, so what are some of the biggest misconceptions you hear in the accounting industry? Uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of it is that the that what we do as a as CPAs and as advisors is we help you know organize the data, and you know that's a phase of it, but that's really the beginning phase. the 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 value add is you know converting that data into meaningful information and and helping it drive our small business owners' key priorities moving forward. Um, and so you know our best relationships are one where we we have that, we go that extra length and, and we're not just working with the accounting or the debits and the credits and we're instead putting together some strategies and helping, working with the business order to help them achieve the goals they set out. Yeah, well, and that's something um, personally I've, I've noticed within our, our own business, um, you know, with, within Camino Commons Marketplace, it's been uh, very helpful because, you know, when you're looking at these, you know, profit and loss, balance sheets, and all these things. Um, I've been kind of working with them for the last couple of years, but it's still like, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of data looking backwards, but then trying to look uh, forwards and project and budget and all of that stuff on a business level is a much bigger task than it is on even like a personal level or, or something like that. Yes, it's, 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 it's a lot to do and it's a lot to absorb. And it's a lot just to get there and get the, the information in a state where you can use it in that fashion. And then it's obviously a lot for any small business owner who's running the operations as well as managing and leading to take that on. Uh, but, but it's crucial at the same time. Right. Well, I mean, one of the things that was difficult for me to wrap my mind around is like, one, like just figuring out like the PN, the profit and loss and the balance sheet, like the differences and why they exist and all of that. But then the other confusing part is looking at the cash flow because that's not necessarily what profit and loss is. And that all changes depending on accrual or cash and like all these different things. And it got very complicated very quickly. It does. And it gets it can be a little overwhelming. So that's why we try to work and team with the customers to distill it down to kind of the key three messages, but you're right, cash flow is the number one important thing uh, for, for our small businesses, and the profit and loss doesn't necessarily tell the same story as the cash flow. Right. <clears throat> All right, um, so then, do, 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 uh, from your time here in the career, uh, in, in the accounting field, have you picked up on any like, uh, like interesting trends um, in the San Juan Camino area? Yeah, you know, this might be not be directly to the question, but it's incredible how much talent we have in this town and in our community, but and also how much history that we have. Um, yet everyone is so humble and passionate to give back. And as much as this can just come to feel normal, uh, it's pretty cool when you step back and, and analyze it. And I think it's incredibly unique. Yeah, well, something as I've been going through some of these interviews, it is something, a trend that seems to keep popping up is just kind of the, the openness and overall just friendliness of this community, of these two communities to welcome in new people, 
and uh, get you connected pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and support small businesses and, and, and you know, local initiatives in the area. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, <clears throat> um, can you share a story of, like, an accounting mistake and how you ended up fixing that? You know, I would say that... <laughs> Probably some of my biggest accounting, accounting mistakes have been earlier in my career when I didn't communicate things is it pro- probably as timely, like a big tax bill coming up or something like that. And, um, you know, being young in your career, you're kind of bouncing all over and you might not, uh, you, you might not see the forest or the trees on, on communicating uh, that a customer has a big tax bill coming up and big doesn't have to be thousands it could be hundreds for some families that really are looking for the refund or um uh or you know just can't afford to take even a couple hundred dollar hit and so it's keeping that context and communicating quickly for us and um i've definitely fallen short on that in the past and that's when you feel the worst not when you make a technical mistake because I think we can all make a technical mistake and we all have in our jobs and that's not specific to this job, but more just being a good communicator. Yeah, I think as, I mean, one, as leaders, that's kind of a huge, that is like one of our primary like things that we are supposed to be doing and have to work on. I know um, personally, I've <laughs> there's been many times where my team members have come to me and said, uh, so this person brought this coupon um, are we accepting these? I was like, yep, I released that one. And so like, there's, there's just breakdowns of communication. Yes. And I mean, that's a simple one, but there's, there's bigger ones where they're like, we didn't know this was happening. And, and that was my fault of dropping the ball on that. And so, yeah, we've all had that. And, um, you try to not repeat those things, but we juggle, a, uh, we juggle a million priorities and that's not an excuse, but yeah, communication is definitely always one of those number one priorities. Right. Right. All right. So this is a question because when I started doing, um, some bookkeeping for, uh, my, my dad's businesses, I was kind of just thrown into it. I actually, uh, we came to Terry Greer, um, our accountant left, um, that was within our company. And so we came to Terry Greer and like, okay, so we're not sure that we're at the size that we still need an accountant. So we think that Brandon should take some of that on, but he doesn't know anything about that. And so we, we sat down with Terry Greer and he really helped us walk through some of these processes. But one of the things that I kept coming back to because um, it gets used interchangeably, like bookkeeping and accounting. How would you describe the difference between bookkeeping and accounting? Yeah, the, no, that's a good question. Um, the, I think of the bookkeeping side as the debits and the credits and the mechanics uh, of getting the information into a digestible form. And I think of the accounting part more as how do we use that to drive decisions? And how do we analyze the information? You know, you hear of things like financial ratios, I think of on the accounting side, but getting the data into a, or your, your financials into a spot where you can even go after those ratios, I think of as the bookkeeping side of it. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, when I was starting to look at some of this stuff, it was, you know, if you don't look, if you're not uh, doing the work of getting those in or working with your bookkeeper to get those inf- that information in, it, a lot more things make sense of why they're always bugging you. Like, do I have that receipt? Do I yes. have, you know, where did this charge come from? And you're like, why is it a big deal? But then as you go through, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that's why it's frustrating when people don't give you what you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, we do have uh, really good local bookkeepers that actually operate on both sides. They operate on the bookkeeping side, and then they go above and beyond and help their customers with the more the accounting side, which is what does this mean now that I've got it all in place? Right. And do you, th- uh, and maybe larger companies, there'll always be that, that clear divide, but do you feel like bookkeeping and accounting, they are, there are more of those people that are kind of on both sides of the fence there? Um, yeah. And I think it's important that we make that distinguishment because you need to know when you're spending time with your financials and information, what am I doing right now? Am I account, am I bookkeeping and just getting them in order or am I actually distilling the information and driving imperatives out of it, you know, and and getting actionable next steps for my business to take, um, and to not blend those two together because it's, you gotta be really meaningful on the accounting side of it. Yeah, that's that's a really good tip there because I feel like there's a lot of conversations I have where we're running around the the same question. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm trying to answer right now, and that's that's a great question to just kind of throw out on the table. Like, okay, where are we right now? What hat are we wearing? Yeah, is this a bookkeeping question, or do we need to go through more bookkeeping to uh, to be able to get to the accounting questions? Right. Yeah. No, that's that's a very good question. All right, so. Um, as we've mentioned before, you are a dad. What yes. are some of your favorite things to do in this area with your family? You know, this summer it's been going out to Barnum Point. Uh, I just it's beautiful out there, and the would-be Camino Land Trust just bought that area, and uh, just there's it's it's amazing to think of just point A to point B, how close you are to Everett or Seattle or a major city, and you can have that beauty, you know, that level of untouched essentially area and forest land. It's so cool out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's a neat, I still haven't got down there. So, Mm -hmm. um, we're on episode seven and I think I, from pretty early on, people were mentioning that. So I will go out there. I will go out there. Mm -hmm. I promise. Um, very cool. All right. So, uh, I like to end the podcast off with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, and so I just kind of, the, the point of the command of voice is to help both uh, locals maybe find some areas they aren't familiar with um, and help tourists kind of check out some points that the locals know about that you wouldn't really know if you just happen to drive on Camino. So, um, all right. So first, qu- first question is, um, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Camino Island that you like to hang out? I know you, you mentioned Barnum Point, um, but, but yeah. You know, I, I like Barnum Point. That, that would be mine. But I'll also say, uh, you know, when it comes to um, Cama Beach, it's, it's hard to compare just the, the, all the activities for kids out there and just how much fun you can have out there. But that's just as a dad, I just love keeping those boys engaged. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then <clears throat> pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would their first day look like here? You know, going back to Canada, it'd be really, uh, I would say, hey, let's pack a picnic basket. Let's go hiking out there and then come towards the afternoon, go rent a boat, row out and just look back at the beautiful shoreline. And there's just you're going to reconnect with nature on that day like you haven't in a whole year. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually been able to this year get out in a kayak quite a bit. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. It's beautiful out there. So that's a lot of fun. I see why people do it now, like yes. on a regular basis. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next, who is the most interesting person in this community that I should interview next? You know what? I've, uh, I got a name for you that I'll give you, but one of the most rewarding things about this role has been getting to know, you know all of the local people in our community. 
and I have a customer who's a World War II vet, and for all that he's been through in his life, uh, I don't know that I would have his demeanor. He is so positive and so uplifting. Um, and, you know, it's just a treat. My grandfather died before I was three. And so for me, it's just a treat to get to know people of that greatest generation. And for certain, we would all benefit from hearing from more of them um, in their later years of life. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right. And then lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island, what would it say? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm a huge proponent of small businesses around here. And our local businesses have so much to offer, but prices remain somewhat depressed around here um, out of fear of raising them, quite, quite honestly. So it sounds weird, and it's certainly not without controversy, but it would say raise prices. Our local economy depends on it, and our small businesses have a huge part to play in our community. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, and, and there's a lot of changes coming through. Um, uh, you know, in the next year, we've got minimum raise minimum wage going yes. jumping a big percentage and um and then all the other expenses of you know that are going on politically and everything those all play a factor in that and they so. do certainly do and you know it just complying with local and state governments is becoming more and more expensive and um that you know it's, it's just harder as a small business to absorb those things than it is as a large business but yet the small businesses are the backbone of our communities right yeah all right. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, that's been really fun. And Islanders, I will talk to you later. Well, a big thank you to Mike Dame for joining us on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time.